Welcome to Trending in Education. Mike Palmer here. Today, we're going to talk about healthcare and workforce development, interesting trends in that space. To do so, we're going to be welcoming to the show Jeffrey M. Roche, the inaugural director of workforce development, Siemens Health and Ears, and executive healthcare advisor for Core Education, PVC. Jeffrey, welcome to Trending in Education. So good to be here. Thanks for having me. It's exciting to have you. You have an interesting background. I talk about the intersection between healthcare and education a bit on the show, but this is the first time I've really had someone who's planted his flag pretty squarely in that space. We'll get into that a little bit more in a bit, but we always like to start with our guest origin stories. What got you to this point in your professional life? Let us know how you got from point A to point here. Thank you for that. And and obviously it's always humbling when you go back and think about that. So you know, I'm the son of a nurse and certainly my mother's influence on me as a young child and her role as a nurse certainly had an impact. And when I was a senior in college at Moravian University in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, I was encouraged by an academic advisor to kind of branch out. I had been a political science major. And so you would have thought government, something, you know, around those lines, but he mm-hmm. encouraged me to do a semester long internship at a hospital system. Hmm. And I did that in what was a integrated marketing, public affairs, business development area of a healthcare system. And then, you know, a month after I finished that, an opportunity opened up at what was my healthcare system for almost 10 years in the Poconos. Started there as a community relations coordinator, worked my way into various leadership roles. And after my tenure there of of just under 10 years, you know, served as a director of four different departments and always had a very clear focus on community engagement, corporate social responsibility, workforce development and partnership with industry, and then spent some time after that in academia on the cabinet of two different presidents at two different institutions, and then even did some work in the ed tech space. And so always have been in eds and meds, though. Yes, eds and meds, which I think we'll even use in the title of the episode. It's nice. I like it. It's a little punchy. And it's also a place where, you know, we're talking a lot about skills disruption and things like the future of work and lifelong learning and the integration of technology with our professional lives. I talk about that a lot through the educational lens, but I think the connection between eds and meds, the, the healthcare side, where in some ways it is further ahead in terms of job design and integration with emerging technology. I'd love to get a little bit of your perspective on the problem space that you've been focusing on really now at that intersection between eds and meds. The kind of aspects around the future of work and the future of education are hitting healthcare probably harder than other industries today. Mm -hmm. And we've seen that, right? I mean, when you look at the data, uh, when you look at what's happening in pretty much every healthcare employer, we're dealing with some of the most challenging recruitment and probably the most challenging retention times ever. Mm-hmm. John F. Kennedy, former president John F. Kennedy, always said that learning and leadership are indispensable. When you really unpack that, it's so true. When you think about workforce, you've got to have a very strong investment in education, learning, and professional development for everybody. Mm-hmm. And in healthcare for so long, yes, it's the most highly regulated industry of all. Mm-hmm. Uh, Yes, it requires more licensures than any others, but we have really got to be more innovative. And healthcare has generally been a space very risk averse, Mm -hmm. very slow to move. For somebody that's worked in eds and meds, people will say, how do you do business in healthcare? Right. So long. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, even for startups, you know, particularly, it can be very, very frustrating and very daunting. And so there's a lot in play. 
But I'll tell you, because of these challenges, the way that they are and, and at an epidemic level, yeah. this is a great time for startups and disruptors because mm -hmm. you have a solution that can contribute to uh, recruitment, retention, better things around culture, better things around education. You're in a much stronger yeah. position probably than ever before. Learning is now a benefit and it's something that attracts and retains talent. Can you shape up a bit some of the workforce challenges within the medical space? I think implicit in that, or maybe we can make it explicit, is the opportunity to train up folks who currently are not aware of the opportunities and some of the needs that exist within healthcare. Yeah. And I think you brought up a really important point about, you know, really seeing learning as a benefit, right? Just in the recent, you know, couple weeks here, we saw a very large union negotiation between Kaiser Permanente and, and SEIU. And when you unpack that union negotiation, what you saw in there was a significant win for the employees in getting education as a benefit. They specifically demanded, we want more investment in our employees, our nurses, you know, our imaging technologists, mm -hmm. other members of the team in education. That's a really big shift in healthcare and education. And why I say that is that normally union negotiations have always been about pay, have mm -hmm. always been about culture, mm -hmm. but this time specifically, very, very large interest in that space. We also see when people are leaving organizations with various surveys, they're saying, I wasn't invested in. Yeah. And so, you know, we have a really interesting kind of future of work, but it's happening right now. I think in many ways, the future of work in healthcare was just, you know, exacerbated further during the pandemic and just has hit us really, really hard. And what we have to remember about that is that upskilling matters. We've hmm. got to have intentional investments as organizations and as leaders in supporting all facets of the organization. And as somebody that worked in healthcare for quite a while, we have often in healthcare given a lot of education benefits, learning and development benefits to the top, not necessarily to all aspects of the organization. Mm -hmm. And that's where we failed. Everyone deserves to have an opportunity to grow. Right. Everybody deserves to be upskilled. Everybody deserves to have learning and development opportunities. And so we're really at a really interesting, you know, cusp of a very different time. Right. And that's where, you know, there's a lot more thought now around artificial intelligence and automation and the ways in which Industries like healthcare have been pretty significantly transformed by externalities in the last, you know, few years. If you think about the impact of COVID and then some of the workforce dynamics that you're describing now with the advent of artificial intelligence and how that can be integrated into the design thinking going into a healthcare system, thinking about it from that perspective, any thoughts on the opportunities and some of the risks that might be emerging now within the healthcare space? Yeah, I mean, there's certainly a lot of conversation, right? And, you know, you're even seeing hospital and healthcare systems launch AI committees and have a group that's really studying this from IT to mm -hmm. medical affairs to nursing, you name it. I think, you know, in most cases, people that are in the learning and development area of our healthcare systems really see, yes, I mean, every new disruption has some risk, right? I mean, it's just the reality. But there's a lot of benefit to consider here, too. And I think, you know, when you leverage it correctly and create the right standards around it, you can certainly have great immense benefit. Mm -hmm. I think in some ways it can level the playing field, uh, which I think is really, really important. We all need to have more equity in learning and development and more mm -hmm. equity in kind of how we approach education. Right. 
that is not something we've commonly, in fact, we've never really had equity in education in the United States. Right. And so I think there's great opportunity there. The other piece that I think is really, really important is we have to have a system that really is focused on mobility. Hmm. You've got to have an intention around career mobility. And so I think if you can leverage it in a way to support that and really help a person understand if I'm a housekeeper today, right. what would it take for me to become an x-ray technologist or what right. would it take for me to become a nurse? We generally haven't done a great job of helping people understand that. When we think about all the near completers, individuals that have started programs, but then not finished, and how can we help them accomplish that? And how do we look back and really realize that we haven't created a great understanding of all the different roles in healthcare and how you start here and can get there. And so I think in a lot of ways, when you think about all these new disruptions, AI and, and such, chat GPT, there's great resources in a way that didn't exist in the past that can help us. I want to literally go in and say, hey, how do I become a nurse? I can go in and it'll tell me very quickly, these are the steps to become a nurse. That to me is encouraging. Mm -hmm. The other aspect of healthcare that I'm always drawn to is when folks talk about skills and resilience of skill sets, you know, half-lives of skill sets, the interpersonal caring profession ones, the, the more human to human components are very critical to really optimal delivery of healthcare. But then there is also an important interaction with harder, more technical skills that perhaps turn over more regularly. But I'd love to get a little bit of your thinking on that, because it does feel like there's a lot to learn about the specifics of the types of skills that are relevant within the healthcare professions. And then when you're thinking about upskilling your workforce, you know, it has to be the right mix of durable resilient human skills that kind of opens them up to all the pathways and then some tuning of the right technical tracks, not to mention the importance of hands-on learning, which is also front and center within the healthcare professions. But I'd love to get any of your, your thoughts on this. Without question, healthcare is a space that in many ways we have focused so much on the technical aspects of skills. And really, while we know the skills around whether you call them durable or power or human, whatever you want to call them. Just don't call them soft, Jeffrey. Exactly. I'm not going to call them soft. And honestly, I, I totally agree with that. I don't think they should ever be viewed as soft because yeah. when you think of empathy and you think of communication and you think yeah. of you know, how we relate to people with compassion, they are truly transformational skills. Yeah. I think and, of it as almost like soft as like a mattress, right? You know, yeah. or a blanket. Yeah. I got a young one at home. But yeah, I understand language is important. Yeah. But I think what what's critical there is we've seen this, especially these days in healthcare, where so many people, patients and, and even, you know, staff have said, you know, we're losing the art of the humanity aspects mm -hmm. of healthcare. Mm -hmm. And so when you think of those skills, one of the things that I'm a big fan of is that in any healthcare program, whether clinical or not clinical, Every student should have to do simulation. Mm. They should all have to understand what it's like in those difficult situations, what it's like when you have to communicate bad news, mm -hmm. uh, what it's like to deal with a, with a coworker that maybe you don't get along with. We've got to simulate those things. They've yeah. got to understand they're so important. And so for me, that's one of the reasons why in healthcare, oftentimes we've been a bit behind the times. You know, there are some healthcare professions that you still can't use simulation mm. uh, at the same level that you have to use in-person clinical experience. Mm -hmm. 
I would never suggest getting rid of in-person clinical experience, but you have to have some aspect of simulation. Right. You've got to leverage technology. You've got to leverage right. augmented reality. Telemedicine, too, is an interesting development that there's been a bit of a pushback, but it's also ultimately the arc of history is going to bend towards things like telemedicine because people can't just get to the hospital, you know, the scarcity of access unless and until you open up new conduits. It's got to be interesting, you know, and you did mention some of my buzzwords there around augmented reality and some of these other cases where an adjacency in technology that I'm always drawn to is gaming and entertainment media. But then I think there is this intersection, especially when you start talking about simulations. You know, I have seen some really cutting edge learning technology that sort of blends in aspects of augmented reality, interactive touch screens. Can you talk a little bit about where perhaps medical education is out ahead a bit and, and any lessons that might be learned or, or thoughts about more broadly applying some of that capability? Yeah. Generally, in the healthcare space, nursing has actually, uh, among a domain from a functional role, nursing in education has been a bit more progressive to really advance some aspect of, you know, AR, augmented reality, and various different simulations, which is really, really an encouraging sign. You haven't seen it as much at the physician level, ironically. Mm. In fact, I was just at the AAMC and attended a presentation, you know, on that. And, you know, look, we, we've got to get with the times. And, you know, all of our educators that are in, in these programs preparing the future workforce have to realize that it's not just a matter of preparing them for today, but it's a matter of preparing them for tomorrow. Yeah. And tomorrow means 20 years from now, 40 years from now. And so we have to realize that. And to your point, healthcare is ripe for gamification. There's so much value when you think of a video game. Mm -hmm. You think of the idea of creating a community like they have in healthcare to understand how they could be a part of that. That could be their role right. in the future. Yeah. And so I think I'm encouraged when I hear more and more startups thinking about those types of things. Yeah. I can envision the live Twitch streams of surgery. You know, Yo. there is an element of gamification, although obviously the human risk piece is also a reason why simulation is important, where if you can do it when there's less on the line, you can kind of ramp into, okay, now you're actually ready to operate on a real patient. The other element that you touched on there did make me think about the more human, social, emotional learning components of simulations. Mersion is a company that I've been fascinated by, which is very much what you're talking about. How do you train someone in terms of bedside manner and having those tough conversations? What was interesting to me is almost exactly what you're describing, where there's certain elements of it being live, but it also looking like a simulation and kind of understanding that there's an actor on the other side allows for even faster social emotional learning. I'd love to get some of your thoughts on that because that use case is, is really fascinating to me. hundred percent. I mean, having done the immersion exercise myself and actually having partnered with them in a previous role and capacity, yeah. I think there's great, great benefit to that. I think, you know, just like we all know everyone learns differently and you've got to have different ways to practically apply what you learn. When I did the immersion exercise, I was quickly reminded of situations that I faced in my hospital administration career, mm -hmm. you know, and then to the same level, you know, having also done the dreamscapes demonstration, I, you know, sat back and thought, oh my gosh, could I imagine if this was a science class when I was in science, I probably would have liked science. 
(laughs) because, you know, it was engaging. It was, it was like a different world. You felt like, you know, I remember I was like riding a dinosaur, you know, into this cool space. And I think these things are so critical. And I think it gets at the future of learning, but more importantly, learning that will reach different communities in the way that they need to be reached. And Mm -hmm. I think that to me is what makes, it gets me excited. Yeah. is to create more equity in the system that ultimately will benefit us on the other end. When you think about immersion, you know, when I did it, that feedback loop is so, so critical. That's different when you're in the classroom. You know, it's, it's just different. And I think what's encouraging by those types of solutions is they will make the whole system better hmm. and more effective because of what they're doing. And then what about the job market itself? You know, like what types of roles are on the rise. You know, it does feel like there's a few emerging models that are perhaps different than what was traditional medicine in the U.S., perhaps in the, even in the 20th century, you know, time marches on. So is yep. there anything new you're seeing? And, and then in particular, perhaps around job openings and gaps where we're going to have to figure out how to really scale up our ability to train up, you know, nurses are the one that's always, you know, top of mind. But if there's other trends around, you know, labor dynamics within healthcare, you know, writ large and and where that's headed, that'd be really interesting to hear. Yeah. So without question, to your point, nursing, the 2027 cliff is very scary when you think about all the baby boomers who will be retiring or already are retiring Mm -hmm. and all the critical roles. We're talking hundreds of thousands of nurses leaving the workforce. Yeah. And how do we fill that? But the same exact cliff is happening in all the aspects of allied health hmm. and, and even in the imaging profession. We're seeing the same exact thing. And so we have a lot of work to do to attract more individuals, more students, more youth into the profession. We have a lot of work to look at those near completer adults to bring them into this critical area of healthcare. And and we have a lot of work to get at really upskilling and creating more stackable pathways. Yeah. We have a system, you know, predominantly that has always been so heavy on the degree side. I love my colleges and universities, but we also have to remember there's value in other forms of education mm-hmm. and we've got to create stackable credentials and, and stackable pathways. The other piece that's critical is if you look at nursing for so long, we didn't want to talk about LPNs. We wanted to focus on got to have a bachelor's, got to have a bachelor's. Magnet required that, but after COVID, we need nurses. Right. It doesn't matter whether you have a bachelor's, we need nurses. We have to get honest about these types of things. And we have to really make sure that when we make these types of decisions, we're making them in the best interest of our patients and the best interest of the workforce. And so I will be honest and say the statistics are scary. They are not positive ones. They are gloomy. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you look at England. England's having a very, very tough time right now from a healthcare workforce perspective in a way that other countries have not necessarily seen before. And I think um, in the U.S., similarly, people won't notice this until they walk into a hospital and can't receive care. Right. Well, I just hope that's not the case. I hope we can really get serious together about preparing for this and really thinking innovatively, creatively. And it will take all aspects from government to higher ed to industry to workforce system, you name it. We all have to be all hands in, all hands on in, in addressing this critical issue. Yeah, it does seem like our hand is being forced in this space to kind of open up those new pathways that you're describing because the cliffs are real and the shortages are real. The other element to this is that there is a lot of long-term resilience in the healthcare professions, particularly if we are thinking about where automation is moving 
people out of perhaps manufacturing roles and other industrial roles, there will always be a need and perhaps increased need when you look at an aging populace where the folks who are leaving the workforce are going to more likely need care and the care will not be entirely technical, administered by robots. People will still want to be cared for by other humans. This is the imagineering part of the conversation, but can you perhaps look a little bit further out on the horizon, any longer term scenarios around healthcare? Uh, well, I mean, we're seeing some of it, right? I mean, if you look, there are hospitals deploying, as we speak, virtual nursing mm. right now. And, and the idea there is, is not that you're not going to have a nurse in the room, but you're going to have a specialist nurse who's going to be virtual, mm. who's going to support the current inpatient nursing team mm. around various different things to help them be able to really focus on the patient. And so, you know, not have to be focused as much on you got to enter this and the computer, right. you got to do this. Let them deal with the patient and have virtual nursing to support other you know, critical aspects of the care. Uh, and just to patient. clarify, when you say virtual nurse, like non-human, right? Like this is like... A... No, this is actually, in this case, it is human. Okay. Uh, but they're just not on site. Cool. Uh, for yeah. Example. Yeah, yeah. But it's getting at the fact that not all nurses want to be in, you know, inpatient sure. unit, but they could still be very effective. Like, for example, my mother, you know, after being an inpatient nurse, went on and worked as a quality nurse for an insurance company, was providing, you know, clinical quality nursing consults, still very, very effective. To your point, we are definitely going to see more of a utilization of robots doing things like, you know, bringing medicine, you know, doing things around supply chain, yeah. doing things around the things that will Even help like our... uh, medical billing, I imagine, is a place where hopefully Absolutely. it can help streamline some of that. Yeah. Absolutely. We're going to see more and more emergence of that. And, and I think what's critical there is it's not going to in any way replace what our caregivers do. It's going to help them do what they do best. Right. And so we will absolutely see that. I think without question, we'll see more automation. We'll see more, you know, more of the commitment towards advancing those types of things. Right. One thing that does encourage me is I think that we will in the future, I'm hopeful, fingers crossed, have a healthcare workforce that will better represent and resemble the community that they serve. Mm -hmm. Because we are seeing some phenomenal efforts with our HBCUs both at community college and at a college level and other colleges and universities to really focus on how do we create more equity in the system? And I can't stress enough why that's so important. We've got to have a team that can relate to the patients because that's how we advance health equity. And so I'm encouraged by that. But there's a lot of really exciting things in digital health. And I think, you know, with robotics and, and a whole host of things, AI, we're going to continue to see some really significant clinical improvements. I'm talking with Jeffrey M. Roche, who's the inaugural director of workforce development at Siemens Health and Ears and executive healthcare advisor, Core Education, PBC. If people want to keep track of what you're working on, Jeffrey, where should they look? Yeah, just happy to connect on LinkedIn. Just type in Jeffrey M. Roche, happy to connect there and, and always happy to discuss anything heads and meds. Yeah, it's fantastic getting this uh, level of perspective on the medical side because we do talk a lot about education. I don't think we've really had a bird's eye strategic view on the medical space with someone like you really in, in quite some time, if ever. As we wrap up here, any concluding thoughts, any uh, ideas for folks' takeaways as they head back to the rest of their lives? Yeah, you know, the, the final thought I would just share is, you know, this is a space that is ripe for innovation. And so if you're a startup out there, if you're doing work in this space, continue to do it. Continue to try new things because we really, really need it. And I think it's going to take incredible insights and new way of thinking to really address the future of work in healthcare. Fantastic stuff with Jeffrey M. Roche. Thank you so much for joining me today.
You're welcome. Thank you. And for our listeners, hopefully you enjoyed what you heard. If you did, please subscribe, write us a review, tell your friends, do all the good things. We'll be back again soon. This is Trending in Education. <laughs>